Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 294. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I hope you're doing well. Happy Saturday. Um, this episode's kind of a labor, a labor of love where I have some notes I want to share from NFL Week 5 still. A couple things. Carson Wentz, the Vikings, uh, Phillip Rivers, Baker Mayfield. There's a lot of things rattling around my head I want to share. I'm like, let's sit down. Let's record those things. I'm also going to give you my week six NFL predictions. I also want to say I I woke up this morning planning to wear a different shirt on the podcast. And I don't know if you have this problem. I have this problem all the time. I have, you know, I have four of these shirts. (laughs) It keeps growing, too. Uh, Someone actually sent me one. Someone sent me this exact shirt because I couldn't find it. That's crazy to me, by the way. And <laughs> I, I, I go to wear a different shirt, and then I look at this one, and it's like there's three of them hanging up there. They're all clean, and I'm like, you know what? That, I, I just I, – I love this shirt. I got to wear it again. So maybe – I know I, I'm probably crazy. Does anybody else have that problem, though, where you look at the shirt and you're like, you know what? Once again, I want to wear my favorite shirt. I just – that's <laughs> so – I have no shame about it, right? It's comfortable. It's what I like. I, I don't know. I just – I – I keep trying to wear a different shirt. It's just not happening. I want to start today with this. I want to start with the – we'll just go here, actually. On Sunday, the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Philadelphia Eagles 38-29. to And two players stood out to me in this game. Number one is Carson Wentz, the Eagles quarterback. <sighs> Carson has been so frustrating to watch this year. Because the talent is obviously there, and he's been so inconsistent. I mean, his best moments are even elite level. Carson had a throw on Sunday against the Steelers where it's layered up over a defender, over the middle, perfect tight window throw. I think it was to his tight end, Zach Ertz. I can't remember. I just remember going like, wow, that is an incredibly impressive throw. So the top of the line for Carson Wentz is phenomenal. The big problem is... His worst moments are disgustingly bad. You're like, I, how can that be? How is that your best? I, I, it's awful. You watch the worst moments of Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. They're nowhere near as bad as the worst of Carson Wentz. And I almost wonder if something off the field is distracting Carson. I don't, I mean, it is COVID, but even before this year, I always kind of felt like Carson was a little bit, he's got a clothing brand on the side. He's got this hunting stuff. I'm like, is Carson distracted? Like what is going on with Carson Wentz? Is he so rich? He's less engaged. I don't know, but the attention to detail for Carson is not good. And that's where he's losing me is the mistakes he's making. I'm going, how are you going to miss that throw that badly? Or how do you not understand like conceptually, like it's just a horrible read or he's not on the same page with his receivers. And I, I just am getting so tired of his incredible talent being wasted. And you might remember coming into the NFL, I was very, very low on Justin Herbert. It's kind of a meme at this point, been getting a lot of feedback on that. And I, I was not confident that Justin Herbert would be very good because he was so inconsistent in college and he was so talented Yet so inconsistent. And I'll be totally honest. Carson Wentz is playing exactly the way I would have expected 
Justin Herbert to play in the NFL. Justin Herbert's been phenomenal, way better than I expected. Carson Wentz is just hitting a, a, a low point in his career where I'm like, I'm going, dude, how are you missing that out route? How are you not understanding where your receiver is going to be? How The mistakes are getting really, really frustrating. And I, I guess maybe the emotion here for me, I'm disappointed. I, I, I expected more from Carson Wentz and... The reality is you can blame all the stuff around him, but he's got to be better. I mean, his, the key word there is attention to detail. Maybe that's two words, but that's where he's losing me is Carson is all over the place with attention to detail. And um, I don't know. I, I wondered when the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts, the rookie quarterback out of Oklahoma. I was kind of like, well, that makes sense. Like Jalen's really good, and they might use him as a Taysom Hill-style guy. And Carson gets hurt a lot. Well, Jalen Hurts came into the game on Sunday against the Steelers, threw one pass, was one for one, had a seam ball on the left sideline, down the down the left middle. And uh, not left sideline, left middle. Like, seam ball to the left. And I went, huh, like Jalen in the game, that's just a normal drop back pass. And I went, I- I- I've been watching Carson all year going, like, it makes sense why they drafted Jalen Hurts. If they had concerns about Carson and his development as a quarterback, maybe Jalen is the guy eventually. I, it's getting to that point where you're like, dude, Carson, you're so much better than you're playing, and you got to step it up. I don't know what else to say. It's like, dude, I, I know Eagles fans are historically a very tough group of people, and in good and bad ways. Like, right, they're, they're very tough. They love you. They're loyal. But they're also, if you're not good, they're going to call you on it. And Carson has not been good, and Eagles fans have – Total, you know, reason to be calling him out going, dude, you got to be better because Carson, oh, it's disappointing how bad he is. Now, the other player that stands out to me from this game was Steelers rookie receiver Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool, that's his name. I want to get it right. Um, Last year, if you remember, Terry McLaurin was this third-round draft pick, a receiver at Washington who kind of broke onto the scene and was a surprise. He was phenomenal. This year, it feels like that kind of guy could be Chase Claypool. And on Sunday, it felt like he had his breakout game where, you know, he had seven catches, 110 yards receiving, three receiving touchdowns, a rushing touchdown, four total touchdowns. Could have had five, actually, where I thought he got robbed. One of his touchdowns got called back where a defender just fell over. And that's not, he slipped and fell over. And they called offensive pass interference on Chase Claypool. There was no contact there. It was a tacky, bad call, in my opinion. I went, ah, uh, the guy just fell over. That's not Chase Claypool's fault at all. So I don't know. Um, and the Eagles also, late in the game, made a mistake of trying to have a linebacker guard Claypool. That's a mistake. They do an easy touchdown over the middle. Uh, I love that the Steelers used him in the running game. I really like Chase Claypool. I think he might be a really good surprise rookie receiver who's doing really good stuff. And what I'm curious about is, <clears throat> can, he be, can he keep it going? As the year goes on, can he continue to keep making a big impact the way he did in week five? I'm not saying the dude has to have four touchdowns every week, but can he have seven catches, 90, 80 yards, a touchdown here and there? Uh, I, I love it, man. He was a, a second-round pick in the NFL draft. He played like a top-10 pick on Sunday. Chase Claypool that's a name you got to look out for. Pay attention to him. He played phenomenal against Philadelphia. Now, I'm going to pineapple juice first real quick. 
my throat, I got like, my voice probably sounded like it was cracking. Got a lot of <clears throat> like phlegm and stuff. I'm trying so hard. I've had cough drops like crazy recently. I, I'm not sick. My throat just is, it's NFL season. I don't know. Something's going on. Uh, tonsils are coming out soon. That'll be great. The Dolphins beat the 49ers 43-17 to on Sunday. And three quarterbacks played in the game. Jimmy Garoppolo, C.J. Beathard, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And by far, Ryan Fitzpatrick was the best quarterback to play in that game. He ran around. He threw the ball really well. Beat man coverage multiple times. And surprisingly, by far, the worst quarterback in this game was 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. What? I went... This is this is not good. And I want to be very clear. So Jimmy was playing on a high ankle sprain. He's injured. A lot of people are going to point to that moment, say he's hurt, he's not full 100%, whatever. I get it. That makes sense. And I don't mind giving Jimmy Garoppolo the benefit of the doubt. But he got he was so bad he got benched at halftime. And you can say injury, this or that, but... I've been skeptical of Jimmy Garoppolo for a long time anyway. And this game just created more questions in my head. I'm happy. If it's injuries, we'll see that down the road. He'll, get, he'll play better. No problem. But against the Dolphins, he had two horrendous interceptions right before halftime. Back to back. He gave the Dolphins two field goals. Just gifted them six points before halftime. And uh, he was very inaccurate, threw a bunch of wobbly, awful passes. He could not beat the Dolphins' man-to-man coverage. Uh, And this is not the first time that Jimmy Garoppolo has struggled to throw the ball downfield. So I maybe it was the injury. And if you want to say that, I'm sure angry 49ers fans will say, it's the injury, it's the injury, it's the injury. I go, did you watch the Super Bowl? Because George Kittle was wide open multiple times in February and didn't get the ball. So I... As time goes on, we will see, right? Is it the injury? Or does Jimmy Garoppolo just have bigger problems? I don't know. And I'm not trying to call it Jimmy Garoppolo, but I want to say that there's problems going on in San Francisco. And we've seen problematic play from Jimmy Garoppolo consistently for a while now. And this game might have been an anomaly worse than normal because of his ankle injury. Totally fine. But it could be that the opposite is true, and he's actually just really bad and really been struggling recently. So keep your eye on Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not trying to hate on the guy, but there's definitely something going on. Maybe he's just really badly hurt. High ankle sprains are really painful. I can't imagine trying to throw a football with it because you're trying to plant on your foot. I get it. Like, it's hard. But regardless, something was weird there on Sunday, and it's been weird for a while. So keep your eye on Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. By the way, Miami, there is no reason to play Tua Tungvaloa right now. He's your rookie quarterback. Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing phenomenal. You're winning games. You look really good. There's no hurry to play Tua. I keep seeing articles from people, maybe this is the week Tua Tungvaloa is going to play for the Miami Dolphins. Stop trying to rush that. There's no hurry. I, I don't see his hipless hurt coming into the NFL your team's playing well. Your quarterback's playing great. There's literally no reason at all to play Tua right now. Um, and I, unless Tua beats out Ryan Fitzpatrick, be patient. Wait. Until that time happens, just take your time. Let the guy do his thing. Get prepared. Get ready. Uh, remember, Tua didn't have any 
offseason program really had Zoom calls, didn't have any training camp, no preseason. So let's let's relax and let Tua take his time. There's no hurry to play Tua. I know that Joe Burrow being out there and Justin Herbert makes people go, oh, we got to get our guy out there. We got to get our rookie quarterback out there to show we're the right team. We drafted the right guy. But th- there's no hurry. I'm begging you, relax, take a deep breath, take your time. There's no hurry to play Tua in Miami. All right, um, on Sunday, the Browns beat the Colts 32-23. to I wanted to get that number right, had to look down. Um, and I want to talk about the two quarterbacks because, number one, Phillip Rivers is – I don't even know how to start here. It's – it's very frustrating watching Philip Rivers because, and I've been saying this from day one, it's still true. Philip Rivers' problem is not his age, it's not his arm strength. He's actually, he's made some good throws downfield. Like, Philip Rivers is highly capable as a quarterback, physically. The problem is, the dude keeps sabotaging his team with horrible, terrible interceptions. I watched that game against the Browns and went, Philip, what are you doing? You're you're a veteran in the league. That's indefensible, that throw. And there's multiple like that. And there are just inexcusable bad throws Phillip Rivers is making, and it's hurting his team, like, badly. And, I mean, I've, I've even seen people say, the Colts, all they need is a quarterback. And I really thought that, you know, Phillip Rivers threw a lot of interceptions last year with the Chargers, and I knew that he was going to throw interceptions this year with the Colts. I did a whole film analysis about it. But I was hoping that, you know, switching from L.A. to Indianapolis, I hoped that move would help him settle down and help him kind of kick that habit. It hasn't, like, at all. It's, it's really bad, in fact, how he's playing. And I oh, – Philip, man, it, it's not good. And I, I, I want – I'm rooting for Philip Rivers. I like him as a human being. I, I want the Colts to be good. But Philip Rivers is their problem right now. And he's got too many back-breaking interceptions to win football games right now. It's frustrating. It's disappointing because that's exactly what's happening in, Indiana- in Indianapolis. And uh, it's, uh, it's frustrating. Now, the Browns quarterback, Baker Mayfield, I want to be um, – I-, I hope people are patient with Baker Mayfield because Baker Mayfield is a work in progress right now. I'm excited, too, when the year ends – in maybe maybe in March is when we'll do it. Right around March, maybe right after the NFL draft, maybe maybe late April. I'll do a film analysis about Baker Mayfield, and we'll dive into the progress he made throughout the year. Because I am pretty certain, watching Baker now, he's already making progress. And by the end of the year, I expect him to be a totally different quarterback than he is today. Because at the rate he's getting better, and at the rate he's making progress... He's just he's changing and growing as a quarterback. And by the way, that's what happens when you give talented people good coaching. Baker hasn't had good coaching his entire career in Cleveland. It's a, similar to Sam Darnold, where Sam Darnold's had Adam Gase and a bunch of bad coaching. And you're like, man, these talented quarterbacks are getting screwed over with really bad coaching. And you can hate Baker. I understand. Baker has got some immature qualities with his personality that drive me nuts as well. But regardless, Baker's very talented, and he's getting better. Now, I still see a couple of problems with Baker Mayfield. Number one is, and this is like part A and part B, I guess, Baker needs to learn how to use touch. And there's two ways he needs to do that. Part A is that 
not everything needs to be a perfect fastball. You know, there are times where he, he's got to take some off the ball. I mean, especially when he's throwing to Odell Beckham Jr. It's okay. He had a ball, uh, a fade to Odell Beckham Jr. on the left side against the Colts. And for whatever reason, the ball is like on a line. He's like forcing himself to throw a perfect ball. And it's like, dude, why? Throw the ball up in the air. Throw a 50-50 ball. You've got Odell Beckham Jr. Allow the guy to be a stud and steal the ball from the defender. I don't know why multiple times I'm watching Baker Mayfield throw to Odell Beckham Jr. going, dude, stop trying to be perfect. Let OBJ be OBJ. Give him a chance. Put the ball in the air. Let him beat a defender man-to-man. And it's really frustrating. It's the best way to put it. Like, you don't need to be perfect. You have Odell Beckham Jr., dude. It's... It's killing me. And then there's also moments where Baker has got to learn how to layer the ball up and over a defender where he had a pick. And I don't know, this the, it maybe looked like Baker couldn't see the defender, but there's moments where Baker is throwing the ball over the middle and just driving it on a line instead of putting it up and over a defender. And it's really hurting him. It's frustrating to watch. And uh, I just want to see Baker learn how to use touch a little bit better. Now, the other problem with Baker is that and I hope that this problem is gone by the end of the year. But the more Baker Mayfield throws the football, I guess the more times he throws the football during a game, the less confident I get in his team. I mean, literally, the more passing attempts he has, it feels like the more – I mean, it's just true. He's likely he's prone to interceptions when he throws the ball a lot. And it seems like the dude cannot go a game without making a – Bad decision of throwing an interception. It's really, really frustrating. I want to see Baker. Here's the word I want to use, I guess. I want to see Baker play cleaner. Take care of the ball. Enough of the interceptions. Enough of these once or twice a game. Just a really bad decision where I go, dude, there's nothing there. You're forcing it or you don't see a linebacker or this or that. And so Baker's making progress. I have nothing but patience for Baker. This is kind of like an update video where – I'm updating you on how Baker is, and he's still in progress. So I'm urging people, be patient. It's okay. Take a deep breath. Relax. But Baker needs to make even more progress to keep getting better. I'm confident, and I'm hopeful that he will. But I'm telling you, Baker is in flux right now. He's getting good coaching. He's growing as a quarterback. Give the guy time, and we'll see where he's at at the end of the year. Uh, But those are some of my concerns of him right now and the ways he needs to grow. And we'll see if he does that as the year goes on. Um, let me, I'm trying to decide, should I take a break or go to the, the Vikings? Ah, I feel okay. You know what? I want to power through. We'll take a break before we do the NFL predictions. You may or may not know on Sunday night football this week, the Seattle Seahawks beat the Minnesota Vikings 27 to 26. And it was kind of a crazy game. Wet, rainy Seattle night. Minnesota led 13 to nothing at halftime. Uh, Minnesota's defense, I mean, Mike Zimmer, I, I really am a fan of him and his, his ability to coach a defense where he had a great game plan. He had two high safeties most of the game uh, and a really well-designed pass rush to often a delayed blitz or good stunts where as Russell would step up or move outside the pocket, there was a defender ready to meet him where, as, where he was going. Um, and because of the delay or because of the stunt and the, the movement, it, it put it put uh, to say Baker. I met Russell Wilson. It, it put Russell Wilson in trouble. And Russell Wilson got sacked on three drives in the first half that 
ruined those drives and did not allow them to score. And so I, I really, in the first half, was very, very impressed with Minnesota's game plan. And I got to say, it always felt like at some point Russell Wilson's going to flip a switch and turn on. He's, he's Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Russell Wilson is not a guy you keep quiet for a long time. And, and I'm telling you, the two best quarterbacks in the NFL are Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. You're just not going to hold them down for very long. And I'm t- in a flash, this game went from 13 to nothing to Seattle leading 14 to three after very quick touchdowns because Kirk Cousins had a fumble and then an interception, giving the Seahawks great field position. Now, here's how the game ended because I want to just skip ahead to the end of the game. And I'm very, very eager to talk about this because I, since I watched it yesterday, I've been like, I got it. This is very, very fascinating stuff to me. So <clears throat> the Vikings had the ball fourth and one. On the six-yard line. They had the lead 26 to 21. And exactly two minutes were left on the clock. Two-minute warning had just happened. And kicking a field goal would have given the Vikings a 29 to 21 lead. Remember, they're on the six-yard line. They could score and kick a chip shot field goal like nothing. Three points. They're up 29-21. That'd be an eight-point lead. Um, And instead of kicking the field goal, instead of taking the easy play, the Vikings said it's fourth and one on the six-yard line going in. We're going to go for it. They ran the ball. They got stuffed. Didn't get it. And in spite of the fact that Minnesota didn't get the first down, I really believe strongly that was the right call to make. Um, and I'm not a nerdy analytics guy. I really believe in film and the power of – like I get analytics have good arguments, but I, for me, I look at this and go – it actually reminded me of what, can, what the Raiders did against the Chiefs on Sunday – where they did the exact same thing, but they got the first down. If you remember, the Raiders went for it on fourth and one at the very end of the game. I think actually with two minutes left on the clock as well. They got it, and they didn't give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. And that's a philosophy here that I agree with. You have to respect Russell Wilson, Seattle's quarterback. You're saying, we cannot afford to give the ball to back to Russell Wilson. We're not going to let him have a, a final possession. And if you're playing Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson, a late eight-point lead is not safe. You can never feel safe if you're playing Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes. And the only way to guarantee victory is to just not give them the ball back. And so the Vikings tried. They failed, unfortunately. They failed where the Raiders did succeed. But I, unfortunately, again, the Vikings didn't get, get it on fourth and one. And by the way, Mike Zimmer was right to not trust his defense against Russell Wilson. He said, we're not going to kick a field goal and then kick it off to Russell Wilson and give him the ball back because guess what happened? (laughs) Russell Wilson drove 94 yards for the game-winning touchdown. He got the ball on the six-yard line, his own six-yard line, with a minute 57 left, drove down the field, won the game. He had multiple conversions on fourth down. And again, I'm not a big analytics guy, but if you can avoid giving Russell Wilson the final possession, you do that. That's why they went for it on fourth and one. And your lead is never safe. So I, I, I'm, I'm really convicted that even though it didn't work out for Minnesota, Mike Zimmer did the right thing going for it on fourth and one. It's a shame it didn't work out, but it was a good idea that if it worked, you look like a genius, you win the game. And I, even if you, get, if you kick that field goal, you're still giving the ball to Russell Wilson he did score a touchdown anyway. He probably would have gotten the two-point conversion with more urgency knowing he really needed those points to win the game. So, And then you don't want to go to overtime with Russell Wilson against Kirk Cousins, in my opinion. So 
I think the Vikings unequivocally did the right thing. By the way, I encourage you to get a chance to watch Seattle this year. Watch Russell Wilson's deep ball. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal thing he does where he puts so much air under the ball. Literally just throws a high up in the air. And there is, I wouldn't encourage every quarterback in high school to do this. But if you can, if you have one-on-one coverage. And so many quarterbacks are, even in the NFL, just trying to throw perfect throws when guys are wide open. Or when you have one-on-one coverage and your your receiver is way better. If you put the ball up in the air and allow your guy to run under it, and you trust your receiver to make a play, they just might. And Russell Wilson's the best in the league at putting the ball up in the air, letting his receivers run under the ball. Uh, and I, I watch guys like Baker Mayfield does this all the time. He had a throw against, uh, was it two weeks ago? To wh- whoever, the Bears, uh, whoever the Browns played two weeks ago. Baker throws the ball on a line down the left sideline. Could have iced the game. Could have closed out the game. And instead it didn't work and they didn't win. They didn't, uh, didn't end out the game. Didn't end the game where... OBJ was open on the left sideline, and all he got to do was put some air under it, let OBJ run under it, and instead Baker tries to throw this perfect ball on a line on the left sideline, totally misses, incomplete. And I, it's crazy to me that more people aren't copying Russell Wilson's style of throwing the ball up, not just vertically deep, but up in the air, allowing his defenders to run under it. I know that arm strength might be a question. I don't know that Gardner Minshew has got the arm to launch the ball up and far downfield. But Baker Mayfield certainly does. Um, Carson Wentz does. There's guys that can do that. And I don't know why more people don't emphasize putting air under the ball. Put it up in the air so your defenders, can, so your receivers can run under it. And um, I, Russell Wilson's got the best deep ball in the NFL. If you ever watch Seattle, pay attention to that. It's really, really fun to watch Russell Wilson throw a deep ball. <clears throat> All right. I want to talk about this. I have a... I want to share a theory I have about the Minnesota Vikings. It's in development. It's a work in progress. Um, I'm letting people in on my idea early, and I hope that people are not too angry and critical. Look, it's going to happen. I know that's the job. But I, I think it's an interesting topic of conversation. I want to put it out to the world, start having the conversation. We'll see how things, you know, play out. But... I'm starting to wonder if Mike Zimmer might be the problem with the Minnesota Vikings. Remember, Mike Zimmer is the head coach of the Vikings. And I want to start by saying that I really, really respect Zimmer as a defensive coach. He's a literal genius. Uh, When I watch film of the Vikings, again, the word that we use is genius. He's a great, great defensive coordinator. And there are so many times where I'm watching Minnesota's defense and he designs a quarterback pressure that you can't stop. There's nothing you can do. It's a great delayed blitz or a well-designed pass rush that it's hidden or you can't see it. It's well-disguised. And the Vikings are so good at everything. I mean, really, their their technique is flawless. And they have guys who are regularly in the right spot. And I know that when I watch film and go, I don't have an answer for that defense. That's just a good win by them. And I've seen that multiple times where Minnesota just wins. They're just they, – they make plays on defense where you go – there's no right answer there, and that's horrifying. When you're a quarterback, you go even even when you play back the film, you can watch it 11 times. The defense did everything right. There's nothing you can do, and the Vikings get that grade on film more than any team I've seen in the NFL. Where I go, there's just nothing to do with the football. There's no one open. 
they answered every pro- every solution you have. You got to just throw the ball away or take a sack. And it's incredibly frustrating, I imagine, to play Mike Zimmer because I, I watch film and I go, there's nothing there. And I have no idea what statistics or numbers say about Mike Zimmer's defenses, but I know that when I watch film, I see that Mike Zimmer is an elite defensive coordinator. He's phenomenal. He's one of the best in the NFL. Here's the problem. <laughs> uh, he's an amazing defensive coordinator, but you want to keep Mike Zimmer away from the offense. Mike Zimmer almost has this belief that throwing the football, that his offense throwing the football, let me clarify, he has this belief that throwing the football is something to overcome, like an obstacle rather than a helpful tool or a weapon that can be used with deadly effect against the other team. He's a very conservative, defensive-minded head coach. And defensive-minded head coaches, they've got weird relationships with quarterbacks already where they're, they often are frustrated. They hate when guys have turnovers. They're, and, and a guy like Mike Zimmer, Mike Zimmer's philosophy is deeply rooted in a desire to run the football. I want to ask, why does it seem like Minnesota can never get the quarterback position right? They've had a lot of guys over the years, Sam Bradford, Case Keenum. Teddy Bridgewater, Kirk Cousins, Christian Ponder. I There's names I'm forgetting, too. There's a lot of guys. They've had a lot of bodies in and out of Minnesota over the years. And it's very possible that it's just because there's not a lot of good quarterbacks out there. That's fair. Um, but they've also had a lot of offensive coordinators come in and out of Minnesota over time. And the only constant in this offensive frustration the Vikings have had, the only constant is Mike Zimmer. And I know you're like, oh, he's a defensive coach. How could that be? But first of all, again, you want to keep him away from the offense because his philosophy can put handcuffs on your play calling and on your play design. But Mike Zimmer should not have any influence over the offensive side, offensive side of the ball. He's a defensive guy. Stick to defense. The problem is, as a head coach, he's always going to be involved. You can't just tell him. If he was a defensive coordinator, you could say, Mike, worry about the defense. Do your thing. You're the best in the world at it. Go do your job. Go do defense. But as a head coach, he's the guy hiring offensive coordinators. He's the guy signing off on everything. And he's got these beliefs where he's, you know, on my team, we're going to run the ball or, you know, blah, 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 blah. Not on my team. We're not doing X, Y, Z. He's limiting. He's holding them back. And Zimmer is this amazing defensive coordinator. Again, elite. I really think he's one of the best in the NFL. But the Vikings can't demote him to defensive coordinator and hire a better head coach that can oversee the offense and the defense. And unfortunately, and this is very brutal and and maybe a step too far, but I don't see any other answer here where it might be that the only way to make progress on offense for Minnesota is to get rid of Mike Zimmer. And I, I know that's controversial. I know that's, what? Because Mike Zimmer, again, I, I think he's more respected in the NFL than he is by fans of the NFL. But Mike Zimmer is an incredible defensive coach. However, an awful tough reality is that at some point, in today's NFL, you have to have a great offense. Having a great defense isn't enough. You have to score points. And you have to have you know a lot of... I guess what I'm saying is the Vikings need innovation on offense. And I don't think they're ever going to get 
innovation on offense with Mike Zimmer as their head coach. And every coach seems to have a weakness. I remember Cliff Kingsbury in Texas Tech, his problem was recruiting. He couldn't recruit to save his life. This is Mike Zimmer's weakness. And the only way I see to solve it is to get rid of him, unfortunately. And that would mean letting a really good coach walk out of your doors. But there might be no other way forward other than that. So you might have to. That's the kind of the tagline here. You might have to get rid of Mike Zimmer. And I don't, I don't like that. doesn't feel good. But sometimes to get better, you have to make a cut that is hurtful and hard. If it's hurtful a word, I don't know. Um, but I don't like saying that about Mike Zimmer. I respect Mike Zimmer a ton. But the Vikings offense needs help. And I, I don't know that they can make progress on Mike Zimmer as their head coach in Minnesota. All right, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll do week six NFL predictions. We'll have a good time. My name is Zach Schaumler. I will be right All right, we are back. I hope we're doing well. Let's dive in. Week six of the NFL season is here. And if you remember, the way I do predictions and do a preview of the NFL week is that I kind of predict the theme of games and how a game is going to go the general way it's going to be rather than predicting a score because I don't know how you can predict an actual score. But what you can predict is, hey, I think the game's going to go this way and that's fun for me. That's what I do. Now, there are a couple of big games this weekend where I feel like we're going to learn a lot about the teams we're watching. Two of those games are, you know, for number one, you have the Browns at the Steelers, where the Steelers are 4-0, uh, but they did beat four bad teams, and they beat four bad teams mostly by one score. So what? how good are the Steelers, really? We'll find out. They're playing the Cleveland Browns, who are 4-1 for the first time in a long, long time. So... How good are the Steelers? Uh, Big Ben looks really good. I, I watch the Steelers, and I go, that looks like a playoff team in my opinion. Uh, but another question is, how about Chase Claypool, their rookie receiver? He had kind of a breakout game on Sunday, last week against the Eagles. Can he keep it up? Can he stay contributing a lot to the team? And then, really, can Baker Mayfield do well enough to beat the Steelers? Can he beat Big Ben? Can he du- duke it out in a duel against Big Ben? I don't know. And that's something I'm really, really excited to watch from Baker Mayfield on the Browns. We're going to learn a lot from the Browns and Steelers game on Sunday, and uh, I'm really excited for it. Now, another game we're going to learn a lot from is the Panthers and the Bears. It's in uh, Charlotte, and the Panthers are 3-2. And, two. and I, look, I want to say I love the Carolina Panthers this year. I really love their coaching. I love Matt Rule. I love their offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, their quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater is a really cool story and a guy that I think is underrated as a quality NFL quarterback. So this team, the philosophy, the rebuild, I really, really find myself rooting for the Carolina Panthers. And it starts with their head coach. He seems like a good guy that I want to see succeed. But it is a rebuild. I mean, on defense, Carolina has a ton of rookies. And my question is, you know, they're, they're fortunate to be three and two. But I'm skeptical. Like, how are they really? I Their fan base keeps yelling at me, and I, I love Carolina fans, but they're like, our team is a playoff team. We're three and two. We're the top of the division. Ah, ah, ah. And I go, oh, well, it's five games. Like, it's you've had September and like a week of October. Chill out a little bit. And so this is a game where we're going to learn a lot about the Carolina Panthers. They're playing the Chicago Bears. The Bears are four and one. Now, Nick Foles also hasn't really played a great, clean game all year. So 
We're also going to learn about the Bears. I believe this will be an interesting, close game. That's what I'm hoping for. We're going to learn a lot about Nick Foles. How good is Nick Foles? How much has he grown? I think the more Nick Foles plays in this Bears offense, the more comfortable he'll get. His timing, his chemistry with receivers, everything about Nick Foles. Uh, He had that moment on Thursday Night Football against the Buccaneers where he was yelling at Matt Nagy passionately, ranting about this thing. And Matt Nagy was respectful and listening. And that's a good relationship between coach and quarterback that I like. So we'll learn about Nick Foles. We'll also learn about the Carolina Panthers. Are they as good as their fan base keeps yelling at me that they are? We'll find out. I'm going to watch. It should be fun. And I hope that uh, it's an interesting close game. We'll find out if that actually happens on Sunday. Now, oh boy, the Miami Dolphins should wreck the New York Jets on Sunday. The Dolphins are a solid football team. It feels like people aren't giving the Dolphins the credit they deserve as a legitimately growing, underrated organization. I watched the Dolphins 49ers game, and not only did the Dolphins smack the 49ers, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was by far the best quarterback on the field on Sunday in that game. So Jets quarterback Sam Darnold is doubtful, most likely will not play. Sam or not, I'd pick Miami. Miami's a better team. They're better coached. I see the Dolphins winning on Sunday. I feel very strongly. This is a Sunday night football game. I feel very strongly that the L.A. Rams are going to beat the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are banged up. Jimmy Garoppolo has not been playing well, their quarterback. And the Rams are rolling, man. I love their tight end, Gerald Everett. Uh, Aaron Donald is a problem. Try to block Aaron Donald. Good luck. And then Jared Goff's playing very, very well. So watch out. I think the Rams might, uh, they could win by two touchdowns or more on on Sunday night against the 49ers. The 49ers are well coached. They're really struggling, though. And the, the Rams got a better quarterback. The Rams quarterback, Jared Goff, is playing much, much better than Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll see if that evens out on Sunday. But I, I feel strongly the Rams are going to win on Sunday night football. Patriots-Broncos, I also feel very strongly about this game. And I'm worried for the Broncos' young quarterback, Drew Locke. It looks like he's healthy. He's been out with a shoulder injury. It looks like he's back. He's going to play. Honestly, this is a weird thought, but I hope that Drew Locke does not play in this game because the Broncos are going to be missing you know, tight end Noah Fant, running back Melvin Gordon, receiver K.J. Hamler, not to mention Cortland Sutton is out you know, for the year with a torn ACL. There's multiple injuries on that. Broncos team and I would be very nervous if I was the Broncos coaching staff about putting our young quarterback Drew Locke out there against you know Bill Belichick's Patriots defense I'd be nervous even if they had a normal Broncos roster but a second year quarterback with a banged up team against Bill Belichick are you kidding me that seems like a a recipe for disaster so I would shield my young quarterback from playing the Patriots. If if he's banged up, there's no reason to play him anyway. I, I hope he sits. I think he's going to play, unfortunately. And then in that case, it'll be a, a tough, I believe, growing learning game for him. Now, one factor here is COVID-19. It's going to play a part because the Patriots have had their, their building locked up a couple times this week because of COVID outbreaks. And uh, I think because of that, the Patriots win in kind of an ugly grinded out game they got a great defense cam will run a couple times and uh the patriots are going to win on sunday over the denver broncos now ravens at eagles the ravens should win easily this is a banged up eagles team the ravens are much better as a roster 
And the Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz is playing depressingly inconsistent, like frustratingly hard to watch. It's just like, come, on, dude, Carson Wentz is so talented, and yet he's making, frankly, rookie mistakes. The attention to detail is not there. The Ravens don't need to be special to win. They need to just show up, do their thing, and uh, the Ravens should win fairly solidly over the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, Bengals-Colts. Um, on paper, the Colts are a way better team. But the Colts have an erratic quarterback, Phillip Rivers, a guy who throws a lot of interceptions. Like it, it's, it's a problem at this point of the year. And the Bengals, on the other hand, have a very good, promising young quarterback who is playing surprisingly clean for how young and he is. He's a rookie. So I'm torn here. You know, on paper, the Colts should win the game easily. And they should win the game easily. The Colts are a better football team. But Phillip Rivers never makes it easy. And Joe Burrow against this really good Colts defense is going to be an interesting matchup because it'll be a challenge for Joe Burrow, undoubtedly. Um, and he, he struggled against the Ravens last week. I mean, they, they really put him in his place a little bit because they're a, a really good football team. But Joe loves that challenge. And so I, I think the Colts should win. I'm very torn here. This is the hardest game to pick for me, actually, because either the Colts are going to win by a blowout because Joe Burrow gets you know annihilated by this Colts defense. He gets hit a lot or taken out of the game, or Joe Burrow can find a way to stick around and then Phillip Rivers throws an interception or too late in the game and hurts his football team like he consistently seems to do. So we'll see. But keep your eye on the Colts-Bengals game. It could be surprisingly interesting. Washington at the Giants. I think Washington wins this game. Washington is playing Kyle Allen at quarterback. He's going to play good clean football. They're going to run the ball very well. And remember, Ron Rivera is a defensive head coach in Washington playing against a a guy who's coaching for the first time, uh, Joe Judge, a, a coach, Joe Judge, first year as head coach in New York uh, with a young second-year quarterback, Daniel Jones, in New York. Ron Rivera's defense is going to mess with Daniel Jones, not to mention, oh yeah, by the way, Washington has this incredibly gifted Pass rush. So I think Daniel Jones is going to be on his back most of the game, uh, getting just railed by <laughs> by uh, Chase Young as they sack him a million times. I would watch out if I was a New York Giants. It feels like Washington could actually do some damage here and win by quite a bit. Now, eh, quite a bit's an overstatement there, but I, I, Washington is going to win this game in my opinion. Falcons-Vikings is a game I don't even really want to watch. The Falcons are 0-5. The Vikings are 1-4. and four. Now, the Vikings are a better team on paper. They should win. But I am curious. The Falcons just fired their head coach, Dan Quinn. Maybe they feel liberated a little bit. Maybe the Falcons are eager to show, hey, it was the coach's fault, not our fault. So I, I don't know what to expect here. Uh, I'm not sure. It's hard to get a read on this game. I I don't even know that I want to watch it, though. I I will say that Kirk Cousins had a really tough game. On Sunday night against Seattle, he probably is looking to bounce back. But I just am I'm curious, what kind of energy do the Falcons come out with? They might be eager to show, hey, we can still show, we can still play. Like, we're good. Our coach was the problem, not us. So keep your eye on Falcons-Vikings. I, and maybe not. It's, it's a lot of bad football, so we'll see. The Texans at the Titans. So the Texans had a short week, meaning they didn't really have a lot of time to prepare for this game. Because the Titans played, did I say Texans? I meant Titans. The Tennessee Titans played on Tuesday night, giving them a short week this week. They're the better team, and I believe the Titans win this game. 
but a short work week is going to help make the Texans have an easier time making this game interesting. So there's less time for the Titans to prepare, less time for their bodies to recover. Now, their style, at least on offense, can survive a week with shorter preparation because they run the ball heavily with Derrick Henry. They use play action. I am still very confident in the Titans, but I want to say people are starting to overstate Tennessee a little bit. I, I love Tennessee. I love their quarterback. I love a lot of things about them. And and maybe not, maybe overstating is the wrong word, but they're definitely overstating the win over the Bills on Tuesday. Remember, the Titans just smacked the Bills, I believe, 42-16. to 16. But that was a situation where the Bills kind of handed the game to buff to the Titans. The, the t- Titans had like four drives deep in field goal range uh, inside the Bills' territory. So I am not sure that the Houston Texans are going to lay down the same way the Buffalo Bills appeared to do on Tuesday night. Uh, Titans win. I think it's more interesting and a better game, though, than Tuesday night was for the Bills and Titans. Now, the Lions-Jaguars, I I look at this game and I really am starting to feel like Gardner Minshew is losing steam. I love Gardner. Everyone knows Gardner Minshew is one of my favorite players, if not my truly favorite player in the NFL. Love his energy. I love who he is. I, I am starting to have a shift in my philosophy where I'm going... I watched Philip Rivers unable to run around. I watched Gardner Minshew or Jimmy Garoppolo struggle to throw the ball, push the ball vertically downfield. And I'm starting to wonder, I think you need a quarterback who can really push the ball vertically downfield. And I, I, my fear is that this is a game where Gardner's going to look poorly and people are going to start saying, we need Trevor Lawrence on this football team. That's my fear for Gardner Minshew in this game. Everybody in Jacksonville is playing for their job. They're coaching for their job. We're likely going to see a desperate Jacksonville Jaguars team. But I'm nervous for them because the Jaguars have a ton of injuries. And the Lions are, they're not a great team, but they're solid. They're competent. And if you give the Lions opportunities, they're going to beat you. So I'm nervous for Gardner Minshew and the Jaguars, to be totally honest, uh, on, on Sunday. Now, here's a weird thought. The Sunday night football game is the... Rams and the 49ers and I get that at the beginning of the year you'd go yeah that's a great game at this point it's not a great game and I I almost wondered why it wasn't bumped to you know a normal day game because this feels like the Sunday night football game in my opinion you have Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady it's a four o'clock on the eastern time start I guess 425 it's 125 in my pacific time zone uh the Sunday afternoon game Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady the Packers against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I am confident in the Packers here. They had a week off to prepare for this game. The Packers are already a better team in my opinion. But I hope this is fun, interesting, competitive. Anytime you have Tom Brady against Aaron Rodgers, like, oh, man, it's ripe for storytelling. These are two good football teams. I think both are playoff teams in my opinion. So uh, I'm just excited. This is another one of those games where I said we're going to learn from the Browns and Steelers. We're going to learn from the Bears and Panthers. We're going to learn a lot about who the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are when they play against the Green Bay Packers. And then how legit are the Packers? I think the Packers are one of the best teams in football. If that's true, they take care of business business and do very, very well against the Buccaneers. So we'll find out. I don't know. But keep your eye on this Buccaneers, uh, 49, Buccaneers 
Packers game. This is the pseudo, the the real Sunday Night Football game, in my opinion, even though it's actually not the Sunday Night Football game this week. Now, there are two games on Monday Night Football. You have the Cardinals at the Cowboys. <sighs> the Cardinals should steamroll the Cowboys. Uh, I believe it's at Cowboy Stadium. But the Cardinals have this high-powered offense, and in contrast, the Cowboys' defense is really, really struggling. So I, I just, I mean, the Cowboys' defense is a mess. The Cardinals should score a lot of points and win that game. But the Cowboys do have Andy Dalton at quarterback, their new, their backup quarterback, now the starting quarterback after Dak Prescott got hurt. I would love to see the Cowboys rally around Andy Dalton. I, I hope that happens. I hope it's an interesting, fun game. But Dallas's defense is a liability, so I, I have the Cardinals winning this game by a lot. Um, two touchdowns, maybe. We'll see. Um, but I, I really hope that Andy Dalton can rally his football team and make it an interesting, fun, competitive game. And who knows? I mean, maybe. How, how crazy would it be if the Dallas Cowboys just came out and they smacked Arizona? Like, What if they won, like, 48 to 15? And you're like, oh, my. Well, I, I did not see that. I mean, how, how cool, cool would that be to have Dak Prescott get hurt? Eh, cool is the wrong word there, but interesting. It, it, dramatic and interesting. If Dak Prescott gets hurt and then the Cardinals come out and just lay the hammer on whatever team they play next, I don't know if that'll happen, but it'd be very, very interesting if it did. Now, the Chiefs at the Buffalo Bills, this is, the I think, the earlier Monday Night Football game. Both of these teams are coming off of losses. It's in Buffalo. And I hope, I'm, I'm praying and hoping that it's a hyper-competitive, very interesting football game. My fear is that Kansas City might pull away and win by a couple touchdowns. Remember, both of these teams are 4-1, and one, and the Chiefs' O-line is banked up. But the Bills are missing a few key players, including Tredavious White, their cornerback. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to shred them. I know that. I'm less confident in the Bills' offense, so we'll see. Um, and I, I felt better about this matchup week one, uh, than I do now. As time has gone on, I've gone, ah, I think the Chiefs might, well, I, I just don't know. It's hard to get a read. Uh, but my fear is that the Chiefs are going to win by a touchdown or two and pull away late. So keep your eye on that game. I hope it's competitive. I'm not sure it will be, but we'll pay attention and we can hope for the best. All right, guys, that's all I have for NFL week six. I think it's going to be a fun, interesting week. Uh, keep your eye. That Packers Buccaneers game is going to be fun. If you want to watch Nick Foles and the Panthers, you know, Nick Foles play the Panthers. That'll be interesting. And then I'm telling you, Steelers, Browns, that game is going to be fun. And I want to watch Baker square off against Big Ben. We're going to learn a lot about Big Ben's team, and we're going to learn a lot about Baker Mayfield. And I cannot wait to see that on Sunday. All right, guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. That is all I have. Thank you so much very much for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. But um bum bam, we are done.